0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Oh,
1: that was a little too close for comfort. But one thing's good that's comfortable. Gordon Dame is back. We'll talk next. 1-800-919-3776. That's the number to join our conversation on ESPN New York tonight. You can also hit us up on X, formerly Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, along with Julian and Chantel, the birthday girl. We're here until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon, welcome back.
0: Larry, it is good to be back. Good
1: to see you, my friend. How's everything? Everything is great. Good to have you back, partner. And I thought we were going to have a a melancholy beginning to the show tonight. Boy, the Knicks know how to make it close.
0: Yeah, well, you always have that moment when you know vacation is over, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the packing of the last day. Sometimes it's landing at Newark Airport, which is always a place where dreams go to die. But uh, I thought for tonight, I thought it was going to be this uh, a Nick loss against the, the lowly Pistons. But luckily for the Knicks, a little fortune on their side, maybe a mm-hmm. call on their side as well. And they get a much needed
1: win especially understanding that you have the Pelicans who are playing very well tomorrow night in the second of a back-to-back. And I was kind of hoping that they would extend the lead a little bit tonight, Gordon, so that your Brunsons and your guys could get a little rest tomorrow night because you're going to need them for Zion and crew.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, it felt like some of the former Knicks were yes. using this tonight as uh, we'll show you kind of performance Uh especially Quentin Grimes. But, uh, yeah, it would have be in an ideal world. The, the Knicks would have been able to put this one away. And they had some opportunities mm-hmm. in the second half. I think they were up eight in the fourth quarter. But uh, you just kind of got the sense in the in the second half that the Pistons were not going away. Uh, and they didn't uh, right down until the end. So, look, you take it. There there are no ugly nope. – there's no bad one-year contracts. There are no ugly wins at this point. So, nope. you will take it. You'll put it in that win column, and you'll move on to uh, New Orleans tomorrow night.
1: I will say this. Uh, Monty Williams has got them playing better. This is not the same team that lost 28 in a row. This is a better team, Gordon. You can see them becoming – and their size is an issue. Uh, they are big across the front line. They're big in the backcourt. I was happy that eventually – uh, Tom Thibodeau was able to put Josh Hart on Cade Cunningham instead of him shooting over easily Jalen Brunson all night. Mm-hmm. So that, and then on a couple of occasions they switched and he shot over a chewer. He shot over, uh, you know, a couple of other players who were a little taller. And it, it's an adjustment, you know. It's an adjustment. You want to usually when the guy plays that well, you want to change his eye eye level, Gordon. So okay, I, I know I can shoot. Oh, I got the perfect view. I got the perfect view. Now I'm gonna put my hands up. Okay, it's a little different. The other thing too that I'm waiting to see when it's going to happen. They had a pretty good first first appearance, but they've struggled a little bit. I thought, because Boston played so well defensively on uh, Saturday, Gordon, I I didn't want to jump on either Burks or Bogdanovich because Boston was outstanding defensively on everybody. But they got to do a little better hitting their shots. They have to Mm -hmm. be a bit more consistent. And the concern that I had tonight wasn't about Burks' shooting. It was his inability to handle the ball. He was pressured Gordon. He had a couple of turnovers. I mean, it forced Tibbs to bring Brunson back early when he didn't want to bring him back that early.
0: Yeah, and see that when the when Burks' name came up, that was kind of the problem I think we both had with yes. his name being mentioned was that he we saw him in the last go round. He's he's a guy who's who can hit some shots and he can play some defense, but he's not a ball handle. He's not Mm-mm. somebody who's gonna run your offense. Uh, and uh, he runs into trouble. He certainly ran into a little bit of trouble with that tonight. So um, I, I know everybody's kind of been saying it. it. They said it the week before I left. Uh, they said it the week I was gone. They're still saying it. the Knicks got to get healthy. Uh, yeah. cause, oh, cause no this Because this cannot last. Uh, and, and, look, you have to get the win tonight. Oh, yeah. But Josh Hart playing 42 minutes. Brunson playing 40 minutes. Uh, Precious Chua playing 35 minutes. I mean – at some point, there's going to be some burnout. You have to do it right now, but mm-hmm. you are stealing from the future Knicks if you don't get some guys back here and get a little bit even healthier than they, they, they are right now.
1: No question about it. And those future Knicks, I hope they're, enjo- I hope they're enjoying the time because I see 40-plus <laughs> minutes in their future when they get back. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, they got a, they, it's almost like IOUs in terms of minutes. They, they, they got Absolutely. some IOUs
1: to cash in. Can't wait to hear about your vacation, but first, let's talk about some of the top stories we'll be chatting about inside this edition of ESPN New York tonight before we get to you on the phones on the Nick Win, Gordon, let's start in the NFL. According to Adam Schefter, franchise tags unlikely for Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and other running backs. Looks like they're all expected to become free agents in what promises to be a star-studded running back market. Titans also won't tag standout better than Derrick Henry, and the Chargers also expected to let Austin Eckler explore free agency. Well it just shows you, right?
0: Nobody's paying running backs. And, and here's if you want to pay a running back, you ha- why would you pay him when you have this much supply? Yeah. Right? So it's supply and demand. The teams are not demanding drafting these guys as high as they, they did in the past, certainly not with the second overall pick like Saquon. And why would you when you can go out and get one?
1: If you're willing to give some guaranteed money this year, you can have the pick of the litter. Mm-hmm. No question. And listen, that Derrick Henry, he, he still got something left, Gordon. He's still got something left. No question about that. Jets began to rebuild their offensive line Monday night. It's an article on ESPN.com by our Rich Cimini. They released left tackle Lincoln Tomlinson, a, t- a source told Jeremy Fowler. The move comes as no surprise. Tomlinson, 32, was due to count $18.9 million. On the 2024 salary cap, his release will save the Jets about $8.1 million this year, meaning they get stuck with a $10.7 million in dead money for 2024.
0: You know, when they made that move, I thought that was a home run kind of move. Uh, that was uh-huh. a guy I wanted the Dolphins to sign. The Jets got him. The only thing you could say really good was that he never got hurt. He was the one guy who kind of stayed healthy uh, in his time here, but he he did not. He did not warrant that kind of money, no. uh, and the Jets, all the teams are looking, even with the cap going up and having as much money to be always want a little bit more, and the Jets have a lot of issues,
1: to, including the offensive line, so mm-hmm. they, they need every dollar they can get. No question. Bill's offensive tackle, Deion Dawkins, rips the Jets, and defensive end Michael Clemens, Dawkins appearing on Vlad TV, called Clemens a blank boy, and accused him of instigating their post-game shuffle in the scuffle, rather, in the tunnel at Highmark Stadium last November. Speaking of the Jets, Dawkins said, quote, I hate them, all of them, bro. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures on Instagram. That's whack, end of quote.
0: I feel the exact same way about the – no, I I, I can't say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I would say that if you're still talking about the Jets at this point, I I don't want to say that Clemens got the job done because they – they won the first game of the season and lost the later one, but it almost feels like you kind of got in their heads, and
1: you're still in their heads well after the season ended. I mean, if I'm Deion Dawkins, I'm worried about getting here next year because this window continues to get closer mm, yeah, to closing, absolutely. Gordon, for you to, to get to the Super Bowl, and you've been, you know, the class of the East for a bunch of seasons. Even this year, you know, you took a step back, and you are able to bounce back, but you still haven't won. No, haven't even so, got there, you know, right? I mean, Forget the Jets. I'm I'm worried about Buffalo.
0: Yeah, you should have bigger issues to worry about than the Jets.
1: Duke's Kyle Filipowski, still sore. Status for Wednesday is unknown. He avoided a major injury but still was a little sore. A couple of days after the collision with the fan left him hobbled during a court-storming event following the Blue Devils' loss at Wake Forest on Saturday. Today, Gordon, Duke coach John Schaer, Kansas coach Bill Self, as well as other college basketball leaders, called for a ban on court-storming because safety concerns and potential legal impacts for athletes and students. Quoting, absolutely we shouldn't wait until next year. Something should be done right now. This is according to Chair, the Duke coach. Let's get rid of it totally. Self-told Myron Metcalf, court storming isn't as big a positive as potential negative that exists with somebody getting hurt or lawsuits. Gordon, it just seems that it is <laughs> the ability for security to get to the court is not as fast as fans' ability to get on the court. You keep seeing them. You know, th- there's got to be a way where you just have to stand when it's a minute left, Gordon. Security has got to be able to be on this, to stop fans from getting to the court. Then the rest of the security team can rope off the court and, and help the players get through.
0: Well, look, I, I mean, there was a time where it, it, was- it happened in other sports, right? Chris yeah. Chambliss, 76, hits oh, the please. home run. Uh, the, the the Yankee Stadium goes berserk, right? You don't see, and, and when teams won the World Series, and the Mets won the World Series in '86, mm-hmm. fans ran onto the field. No, it, it, it was allowed. It was, it was. I don't want to say it was condoned, but it was. It was pretty much allowed. At some point, I don't remember when it was exactly. It was no longer allowed. Yeah, and and that's what has to happen in college basketball. They can't allow it. It has to be known, and. They have to have strict penalties. If you if you run out in the court, they're going to have to make an example of you. But the, the, look, the the NCAA, these these conferences, they have the ability to do it if they want to.
1: Well, I'll tell you this: considering the amount of NILs that athletes are getting now, mm-hmm. Gordon, it will be handled. Yep. it will be handled yep. very soon and in a hurry. Uh, I think the first one that jumps to me was Wade Boggs riding the pol- on the horse with the policeman right, to make sure fans yeah. didn't get on mm-hmm. the field at Yankee Stadium yep. when they won.
0: Right. I feel like that was the – now maybe it's because I'm a Yankee fan that it uh-huh. felt like that was the first time they were putting in force. Like, you are not running on the field when the team wins. Yep. But I, maybe maybe it was a couple of years before that. I'm
1: not sure. Yeah, but that's the one that jumps out in my mind yeah, too. absolutely. like, okay, mm-hmm. listen, nobody's getting on this field. And if right. you do, you're going to be run over by a horse.
0: I just think <laughs> about how, how there's so many rules in place now of safety where it feels like all right we're getting a little carried away with this is one where it's legitimately a safety issue it is and it's clear-cut a safety issue so uh yeah i think the days of that are
1: they're i don't know if they're they're done for good but i think that they are fading quickly and plus from the athlete standpoint now gordon you're going out kind of with your elbows up you're kind of like reggie you mentioned reggie you mentioned chris how about reggie jackson coming up the hill (laughs) i mean he's swinging his batting helmet around yeah absolutely Touch me if you want. You're, right. You're, I got something for you. Yeah, so now some you people app- got some tagged by Reggie on that one, yeah. Absolutely. And now you got athletes possibly getting hurt trying to protect themselves or anticipating that somebody's going to come mm-hmm. at them. So it's it's just a mess. And listen, you understand you understand the, the, the emotion of college basketball, and that's what sure. – You know, you, you love it. You love to see that emotion. That's what sets it apart from the pros in a lot of cases. But the bottom line here is – you know, and I think Don Legerre made a great point today, Gordon. I mean, this is not like the upset of the year. You know, some of these some of these are not excuses yeah, yeah, for no, of for course kids right. to run on the court mm-hmm. as opposed to the way it used to be. You know, back yeah, when no,
0: they, it, it's generally not the number one team going down to the country. It could just exactly. be a rivalry game. It could be uh, it could be anything.
1: It's not like when Richard and I were watching back in the day. Right, game.
0: exactly. Back in
1: the day, when men were men and. You know, wore pajamas and so on and so forth, as the song goes. one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 3776 That's our update. We'll come back and talk to you next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: It's kind of like the referee's whistle. It was <laughs> yeah.
1: Finally, find time to swallow it because they sure didn't swallow it much tonight.
0: No, no. Um, well, look, uh, the, the, sometimes these calls go for you mm-hmm. as the Knicks yep. um, got tonight. Sometimes they go against you, like they had against that Rockets game, which was just yeah. absolutely outrageous earlier in the season. To me, still the worst call all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was a physical finish at the end. And uh, look, I, I would rather. I'm, I'm a Nick fan, so it's going to be shaded that way. But mm-hmm. it just to take a step back. If it's not clear cut, and I don't know that it was clear cut that he had the ball and, and right. possession of the ball at that point. Uh, I don't want the referees to make it about them. And that was the issue I think that uh, Nick fans had in that Rockets game was it was like uh, it took 10 seconds after the game for the refs
1: to come out and say, yeah. oh, yeah, we blew that one. Yeah, no question. Because they knew they blew it in the beginning. That's mm-hmm. why it didn't take them long to see it at the end. Because right. they had a feeling. Like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Ugh, I messed that up. I messed that up. Um, Gordon, I got to tell you, I found it interesting, the reaction, right? Grimes, nice, polite applause. Uh Big fans don't like Evan Fournier. No. He well, look, he did not play possession. well
0: here. A lot of it was that when he was benched, essentially, the team kind of took off. Yes. So that didn't help either.
1: Yes. And, and he hit some shots tonight. Uh, but I saw he was in fine defensive form, so back of his name. <laughs> back of his name, a lot on that jersey. Yeah, that, that does that. Yeah, I know.
0: That does happen. Malachi Flynn, I thought, was played, played, well. played, played well as well. He so did. So it was all the former
1: Knicks. who uh, yeah. I mean, Grimes was the biggest one, but I thought all three of them played well. I mean, Grimes had – you could see, Gordon, He especially yeah. in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. got a little Got a little confidence to him, hit some threes, took the ball to the basket. Hit that one like, shot, like glared at the bench. Yeah, you know, a little stare down, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, remember me? Ha, ha, ha. Um, you know, listen, you that's why you really wanted to see, uh, you know, Burks and Bogdanovich kind of balance that out, right? Because, look, you always know. The former players, we we'll get to the calls in a second. The former players, going, they're always going to come back with the They circle the date on the calendar, mm-hmm. and they're ready to go. They're psyched up. They're ready to go. They're going to make a point. So you knew that Grimes was going to come out, and if he had the opportunity, he was going to, you know, show what he could do. And listen, he, w- he was a really good player for this team, but he wasn't consistent enough that you felt that he could take you to where you're trying to go. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, once again, and, you know, I had a couple of calls yesterday talk about what's going on with Bogdanovich, what's going on with Burks from the scoring standpoint after they were just, you know, horrible against Boston. And I wanted to give them, okay, it was Boston. Boston played well. But the way they shot tonight, I mean, Gordon, they got to do better. There's no question they have to do better. Yeah. Well, I think also that you you got them as pieces. And I think that the
0: the way you're using them right now is far greater than you really want to be using them. So the Uh warts are going to show a little bit more when you're using them and playing them as heavy minutes as they're playing right now. But – this is this is the state of the Knicks, and this yeah. is the injury situation that they're in. So, that, yeah, I mean, they got to they gotta play better. I thought Bogdanovich was was better Today, tonight,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Burks,
0: Burks is, it was a struggle.
1: It was a struggle. And once again, look, you go through times when you don't hit shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, I get that. But once again, my concern was the ball handling. That's, that's the thing that, you know, if that's the case, then you might as well let McBride handle the ball and let him just run and, and go to spots and hit threes. Maybe that's the way to go. We'll figure it out. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Off to the phones we go. Ron's in Baltimore. Hey Ron, start us off on ESPN New York tonight.
2: Good talk with you guys. Um, yeah, I'm not apologizing. Uh, we got like you guys mentioned, we got hosed two weeks ago, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. It's the NBA refs miss calls. I, I'm not. I'm not apologizing for this win. I felt like Monty Williams two weeks ago. What I'll say on the play is Dante hit the ball first. Do most refs still call a foul because he tackled him and went into his knees? Yes. However, to be fair, they were calling it pretty – letting the guys play for most of the night, like Mm -hmm. Tip said. I mean, uh, they weren't weren't calling the little ticky-tacky foul. So I'm not going to apologize if I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. I'm upset. Where were these Quentin Grimes uh, putting the ball on the floor scoop layups in New York? (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i mean come on man like this is exactly it has quentin grimes been listening to my phone calls from detroit like where was that so look we got to get our guys back we need og we need randall we got to get our full team fully healthy to have a shot we all know that we got and it's going to be tough now we got to scratch him out but uh, i'm going to take it larry i'm not going to apologize
1: i hear you ron thanks for checking in my friends it's been a while uh no i'm not apologizing either is there's no question. I'm not. It it just the way it happens. And once again, from the view we had, Gordon, as you mentioned, I don't know that the the ball had if, who had possession. If he didn't have possession, then I guess he'd yeah didn't, you, he called a foul in that situation. It it's
0: it's tough. Like you're just kind of assuming the situation. It did seem like Dante kinda of dove into his legs. Um uh-huh. But you can't, there was no clear-cut shot that I saw of, hey, that's at, uh, that's an outrageous non-call or in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I got uh, it. You know, I, I, it could be You'll that I'm a win. Nick fan. Yeah, yeah, just take a win. That's right, exactly. Line. Take the could, win to move on. It could be that. It, I will be – I'm willing to admit
1: it could be that. I Well, definitely is that for me. <laughs> oh, good. Yonkers, what's up, Jan?
3: Hi! Right, what a win! <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Besides, I um, besides, uh, I just want to touch base with you all. Yesterday was the 60th anniversary of the Muhammad Ali uh, Sonny Liston fight in uh, Miami Beach, Florida, back in
4: 1964.
3: Mm. And uh, if you all remember, I was nine years old when that game, excuse me, when that fight occurred, and uh, my older brother was 16. And 1010 Wins was announcing round by round who was winning the fight. Wow. And Liston didn't come out in the seventh round, and you all know the rest. But Mm -hmm. if you remember back in the day, I do, how scary Sonny Liston looked. And we actually thought that Ali was going to get either knocked out or beaten to a pulp. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm telling you, tonight I'll never forget. Uh, Getting back to the Knicks, um, they definitely need – Alex Burks and Bogdanovich to score more three-pointers consistently. You know, we're getting into these games now. It's getting very hard. You know, Brunson can't do it by himself. I'm glad Harsh, excuse me, Hart had stepped up with his game tonight. And DiVincenzo, it was a great win. And, yes, I agree with the last caller. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have to apologize. Look at what happened to us a couple of weeks ago against Houston. Your thoughts and thank you for taking
1: my call. All right, Jan. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, no, we're not apologizing, Jan. That's that's for sure. You know, you don't. I don't care if, it's, I don't care if there's a, a point, ten points, fifteen points, twenty points. Like the Nets just embarrassed the Grizzlies tonight, I'm. After the Knick game, I went to look at that game. I'm like, there was nobody in the stands, and apparently, no nobody playing on the floor for the Grizzlies either. The way the <laughs> Nets were just like dominating like, twenty seven. I'm they were like, working out some on? frustrations oh, there, I think. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Whatever Kevin Ali told him after that loss, they're they're back again. But uh, nevertheless, and funny, let's go just real quick. Jan talking about that Sonny Liston fight, Gordon. When you think about it, Ali faced Sonny Liston, huge guy, mm-hmm. George Foreman, another huge guy, and in both cases, in both situations, he ended up winning the fight. Now, of course, from what I hear since I didn't see the fight, Gordon. Oh, I thought, um, I thought you were working that day. No, 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 no. The rematch, yes, not the original. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's some hinting that something went on, you know, that maybe, maybe. Uh, but the phantom
0: know. punch. Yes, the phantom right.
1: punch that, uh, you know, he just, the wind knocked him down. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, nevertheless, um, you know, that's 60 years. That's unbelievable.
0: Wow, well, t- I, t- I was always wow. stunned, like when I first, because obviously it was before I was born. Um, I was always stunned that that uh, that Ali was the un- the heavy underdog, like a six to seven to mm-hmm. one underdog in that first fight. So yeah, that just kind of tells you what the reputation of was uh, of Sonny Liston
1: at the time. Well, but- remember, uh, Ali at that time was a guy who was moving, and. We that was like, oh, he's running from people. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Liston's gonna catch him and he's gonna make work out quick work out of him and whatnot. So it was it was the speed and in that era people weren't look weren't used to looking at speed like that from the heavyweight division. That was more of a lighter weight division. one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six 919 3776 When we return, we got more of your phone calls. Plus, I want to find out what Gordon did on vacation. That's next on 987
0: ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, you are next on 98.7. Hey,
4: good evening, Larry. Gordon, shout out to the company. Um, Wow, I I definitely enjoyed the boxing talk because I'm a huge fan. And, you know, to pontificate on that, like like you said, Larry, you know, it was definitely the size advantage because – people, um, Muhammad Ali, um, won the gold medal as a light heavyweight and converted into a heavyweight. So, and with Sonny Liston, the way he destroyed Floyd Patterson and was just a very bruising guy, they pretty much, you know, had that, that was why the the line was set up that way. Oh, but, uh Uh, Before I get to my dick point, because I know I don't want to take too much time, but I wanted to give a special thanks to Rick and Dave in the morning and Anita and Amani for setting up the Cinco de Mayo pickleball game event. Um, I definitely also wanted to give a special thanks to the DNR uh, Twitter page i run by Lonnie from Harlem because he definitely was supporting me and getting my tweets out and making sure that this was a reality for all of us company members could enjoy and have a good time so um, hope to see you guys there I don't know what your scheduling is like but um, it um, w- w- would be fun um, uh, happy birthday happy belated birthday to Chantel and as far as for my Nick point the Nick point uh, I, I'd I'll take the win. I'll, I will take the win, and I don't care about the officiating because, like, like, like the previous caller mentioned, that Houston game was atrocious, so I will take it as I as I can. We needed this win. We could not afford to lose this, and believe me, I did not want to hear Bart crowing at, at Allen. Uh, In that deal,
5: where right. would we be? Uh, you know, as far as storming the court, now you guys mentioned 60 years ago with Cassius Clay winning the fight, the evolution genesis of storming the court, Larry you'll remember this. And Don McGregor touched on it. He said in the old days it was just for big games. Well mm-hmm. this is probably one of the biggest upsets ever, maybe the biggest upset ever in college basketball. First time I saw it, Larry. And it's almost 50 years to the day. Actually, it was January of uh, 1974. I'd never seen it before. Notre Dame upset UCLA, the Walton gang, Larry. You remember Dwight Clay from the corner? Yeah. Adrian Dantley, Digger Phelps, Hot Uh Rod Hundley, and uh, Dick Enberg doing the game? I'll never forget. I was working at Bloomingdale's. I ran upstairs on a Saturday afternoon I watched the game on the television up there, and we were watching the game. And noted, 88 game winning streak, Gordon, yeah. uh, wow. UCLA had through yeah. Alcinda and mm-hmm. Sidney Wicks, Carter's Row, and then uh, Walton carried it through. Notre Dame, I think, was number two in the nation at that time. And, you mm-hmm. know, Larry, it was funny. I was talking to. Uh, Dan Grosser right before the Nick game, mm-hmm. and I asked him to guess when it happened, when that was the first time I saw the, uh, this occurrence, the charging of the court. And da- we didn't have time, and Dan said, call me tomorrow, which I will. He thought it was the UCLA-Houston uh, game in 68, Elvin Hayes was Oh, at the Astrodome. Al- At at the Asher, which was a great game, and it was that was one of the most anticipated games ever, Larry. Elvin Hayes against Louis Sender. But you know, I thought about it, I didn't have, but we couldn't talk about it. Larry, I'll be quick, but this is very interesting what I'm about to say. I think it is, at least. In 1968. December, that game was. And it was huge. Al syndicate got his revenge later on in the season in 69, I think, before the tournament or during the tournament, of course, and they squashed. And, you know, uh, Houston had Don Chaney on that team, too, so they had a great team. Uh Anyway, but, Larry, we were coming off. Just think of what happened earlier that year in 68. Martin Luther King was killed. Robert Kennedy was killed. The convention in the Democratic Convention in Chicago was unbelievably messy. And what went on there, the tragedies in all the colleges with the sit-ins and the rioting and Kent well, Kent State I don't think happened yet, but it was about to happen. All the things that were going on. It would have been impossible for college students at that time about to think about storming basketball courts. But I, I thought about it after I hung up with Dan, and, you know, he, he didn't know, of course, but it was a good guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, fellas, always a pleasure. Good talking to you guys as always. All right,
1: Richard, thanks, thanks for Larry. the phone call. Thanks. You got it. No problem. Um, Gordon, I remember watching that game, the the Elvin hayes Lou Cinder game mm-hmm. years years later, and it was just funny to, to – you know when, when ESPN when they first got the ESPN Classic Channel mm-hmm. and they ran all these old games sure. and stuff like that. You're watching them, and to have that court, Gordon, the, they couldn't have stormed that court. That they, it was in the middle of it was in the middle of the baseball. It was like in the middle of the baseball diamond because it was an astrodome. Sure, and so the court. You're like you're looking. at They've all been these, out of gas by the time they got yeah, to the they, court. Yeah, they they would have been worn out. Uh, but that was that was the big game because at that time. Elvin Hayes was really just an unbelievable shooter and you know people will remember him with the uh, Washington Bullets, Baltimore Bullets, then Washington Bullets. And then uh you know he and he and uh, Wes Unseld would, you know, have some games together and, and play well in the 70s and early 80s, but uh when you think about you think about college domination, Gordon? Oh, I mean, there's nothing. Mean, I mean, Wooden and those UCLA mm-hmm. teams were just yeah. like, I mean, oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable! Right. How good they were. It was just crazy. Back to back seasons where they did not lose a game. I believe I right. Eighty eight straight. Can right. you imagine that? And people stayed four years back then. Nobody was leaving. Right. <laughs> Nobody. Well, was that's leaving. You that's stayed. the
0: argument. You know, like you bring because the way that the the basketball goat argument goes now is it's it's LeBron. It's Jordan. It's Jordan. It's LeBron. Mm-hmm. They people don't realize Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know the younger fans, the mm-hmm. ones that are only focused on LeBron and MJ. They, sure. they don't realize that this guy was in, in college. If he would have been able to go pro right away, where would his
1: numbers have been? I mean, think about this, Gordon. Suppose he could have went pro right away out of college. He could have left the high school. <laughs> right, right, right. He from high have, school to the pros. He went right from high school. Yeah. You know, he could have done LeBron. He mm-hmm. could have went right from high school and just win it. Because nobody was stopping that Skyhook. Nope. Nobody was stopping it. Nobody, you know, people were lined up looking at Power Memorial. They were like, wow. <laughs> you know, he could have just could have just kept going. It was it, It's totally different time. Totally different time. When we return, uh, I got some questions for Gordon. I want to find out about his vacation. But I want to get some observations from him. Gordon, I'll, I'll just say this as the tease. I didn't know Spencer Jones was like that. <laughs> we'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: That kid is good, Gordon. He looks like he—it's like he's, he's as big as Judge. He's got speed. Uh, that ball he hit over the weekend yeah, is still that, traveling somewhere in still, Florida. It's
0: still going someplace, right? Wow. No wonder well, they want I, to give the him The way up. he was billed was, uh, it did seem at the time, the, the early, when they first drafted him, it felt like a lot of the initial reports was, well, this might have been a little bit of a reach by the Yankees, but like with anything, when you talk about drafting baseball players, football, how did they, they develop? Mm-hmm. How do they develop? And it seems like he's he's on a pretty good track. Now, he's, he's still got to worry about some strikeouts, it seems like, but that's improving as well. So we'll see. When when somebody says this guy is the next of something and the yeah. first of the something is as unique as Aaron Judge, it's kind of hard to believe that the next guy is going to be as good as the first guy because the mm-hmm. first guy is unique. But – yeah. When they say he's like a left-handed Aaron Judge, clearly he's not going to turn out, I don't think, to be Aaron Judge, but he has got great athleticism. He's huge. He can hit for power. Uh, it seems like he can hit to pa- for power to all fields. So we'll just see how he, he – I think he's still probably a year away. Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. um, And who knows? Maybe uh, we get into this year, and, and, the, and the reason his name is getting mentioned is because he's getting traded someplace. Uh, that would not surprise me all that much either but it would have to be a really big piece considering how it seems like a lot of people are predicting stardom for the kid
1: yeah absolutely and you know some some of them some guys you kind of want to keep gordon you don't want to yep. you know you want to let's wait and see if he's developed like this let's hold Mm -hmm. on to him because what happens is ultimately the better he progresses the more you can get for him in what if you decide to make a move well, look, I would like in
0: in 2025 to have an outfield of Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and uh, Spencer Jones. I, that would yeah. that would work for me. I would, I, and it doesn't really matter if, if Judge is in center or Jones is in center or this guy's in right or who's in left. Those three guys across the board, I feel like that's a good building block, Larry. Well, you got a Martian that could land. He on yeah, your right, team too. he could. He, well, he might have to be the DH for a little. Maybe he can play center. We got to keep him healthy. Mm-hmm.
1: These these are good problems to have. It is. It's no question. Uh, I was reading uh, John Heyman in the Post reporting that there's still conversations going on between Blake Snell's people and the Yankees. doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, but I'm curious now, Gordon, to get your thoughts because now that Cody Bellinger, a Boris client, went Mm -hmm. back with somehow they maneuvered something a little different with Chicago, he's back there. I'm curious to see if this, A, if this does anything for Blake Snell, and ultimately – does it adjust what Pete Alonso is going to do with the Mets? Because I still have my eye on seeing what's going to happen with him.
0: Yeah. Um. The, the problem
1: for, for Blake Snell is it seems like
0: he's only – the the, the the Scott Boris is only talking to the Yankees. Yeah. It, it seems like at some point he's not been able to uh, really – it doesn't feel like there's really a market considering whatever price he's looking at. And Bellinger had a good year last year, but Blake Snell's coming off being the Cy Young. I know. I know. So – for for Bellinger, it's basically another pillow contract because he can opt out. I think after this upcoming season, mm-hmm. and so okay, if he hasn't, I think the the teams are leery because he got released by the Dodgers. He have, had he had a bounce back year and it was a really good year. But is that gonna is that gonna stick beyond this year? Mm-hmm. If he goes back out there this year and does the same thing as he did this past year, okay, fine. Maybe there's more of a market for him because he can play center field. He can be a first baseman. And he'll he'll finally get the long term contract that way. What do you do if you're Blake Snell? You're coming off basically the best season you'll probably ever have. Yeah. And it's all I downhill do think from here. yeah, it's all downhill from here. If you can't get paid now, and you really can't go out and and do what Bellinger did, because almost certainly you're not going to have as good a year this year as you did last year. Yeah. And and in a lot of ways. Snell is is a lot like Rodon in that he's had these really good, two really good years and a lot mm-hmm. of mediocre years.
1: Yeah. The Yankees already got one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I think right now, uh, here, and, and listen, if you're the Yankees, you, you'll keep talking because, as like right. you mentioned, nobody else is talking Nobody to so else the is price, talking. The price, the price, you Eventually, you're going to have to make a decision on this price. It's got to come down. Yeah. Either and, the and, price and- has got to come down or the years have got to come down. If you can
0: get the type of situation where, like, the Cubs got with, with Bellinger, maybe, maybe the Yankees
1: would be willing to, to go down that road. hmm uh-huh. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, when you first saw – well, I'm sure you didn't look at anything on vacation. But on your way to the airport and you first saw the photo of Giancarlo Stanton, the new healthy <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton, what was your reaction
0: I thought I thought they had superimposed imposed my body on his body, Larry. He looks very uh, svelte. I believe is the word that they would use. He looks very slim, and mm-hmm. and we both said that this was what's going to happen, right? He's going to have he's going to come in. and It's going to be about flexibility, Larry. It's mm-hmm. going to be about maybe it's yoga, maybe it's, yeah. it's stretching techniques. He's more flexible now. Mm-hmm. It does not.
1: You're not buying it.
0: No. I mean, what percentage of best shape of his careers turn out to be best years of their careers? Yeah. It, is, it, is it 1%? <laughs> is it even that high, 1%? Yeah. Almost certainly when anybody tells you they're in the best shape of their career, they're not about to have the best year of their career.
1: hmm Well, he can't have a worse year than he had last year, though.
0: Don't say that. You he, never, he, he could won't. always be hurt more so. than he was last no, year. I don't
1: think so. I don't think so. I think I think this new flexible body mm-hmm. is going to be available to you, Gordon. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. It's going to be great. Doing a whole
0: thing in the in the sauna. He's getting more saunas in there. Oh, he's getting the that. breathing down. Oh,
1: he's... he's going to be flying
0: around the bases, mm-hmm. Gordon.
1: Yeah, flying. Twenty
0: steals this year. Yep, lock hey. that in on the Fanduel. Twenty steals for Giancarlo this year. Hey, listen,
1: he's available. My ace isn't. Yeah. What What are they doing? My ace isn't available. What are they doing? So he's the he's not gonna throw he's gonna rest for the next three weeks and then we'll see what happens. So we won't see him until at earliest the end of March. And then uh, you know, he's gotta ramp up, gotta ramp him up, Gordon. Gotta ramp him up. And, so and, he's not gonna and, be in the in the majors till the end of April. If we're if if oh, we're lucky.
0: If we're lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and how often does that happen? You what know, was the last la- when was the last time that happened to you, Larry? <laughs> Uh, Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> right, right. With the Mets, when was the last time an injury? If everything goes right, this guy will be back then. Yeah. And it's yep. a shoulder.
1: I know. Shoulders are always worse than elbows. Absolutely. No question about it. And um, so, Gordon, uh, while you are away, I just made my piece that, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to – all I'm hoping for, Gordon, meaningful games in September. That's all I'm hoping for. It's a fact-finding mission for this Met team. They got a bunch of young kids. Uh, Jaming Choi is now in in the DH mix. They brought they added him. Oh my god! Luke I mean, Voigt has been added. I gotta you know, run.
0: When did they when did they institute the DH in the National League? Because whatever, wow. it doesn't feel like the Mets have ever had a good DH.
1: No, you're right.
0: And you would think, how hard could it be to find a DH? Yeah. It would be one thing if you're talking about a team when the Pond's on ah, we don't have enough money. We, mm-hmm. we, if we're going to scrimp on some – we'll rotate a bunch of guys there. We'll keep guys healthy. Give yep. a guy a day off. We'll give mm-hmm. him half a day. Okay, fine. This is the great Steve Cohen. This is the, the Mega Millions guy. Come on.
1: Not spending money this year. How can – I thought they- – um, Gordon, I thought uh, – Gary Cohen did a tremendous job talking to David Stearns on the broadcast yesterday, and he asked him a bunch of, of questions. Um, and it's it's very simple. He said, point blank, Steve Cohen is still committed to spending money. They're just not going to spend it this year. They want to see what they have. They want to see what the young kids, they want to make room so the kids can come up and they can evaluate. And then going forward, they will spend money if they, you know, if they have no problem spending money at that time, they believe he didn't. In, he inferred that they believe the free agent class next year is going to be better than the free agent class this year. So they're looking to see what the kids can do. And then after that, they're going to make their decision. So in in, in essence, to me, it's like they're throwing a year away to them. Yes. They're on a fact finding mission.
0: Well, I would say that that's one thing. But what are the fact finding missions in that starting rotation? Who are the young guys in the starting rotation that we're finding out about? We're not. Yeah.
1: We're Tyler not. McGill. Is he I mean he's probably we one of the youngest him. guys you got. We know about him. Peterson is there. Right. You know, we know about him. We've seen them. Thirty five year old
0: Jose Quintana. We're finding out a lot about him.
1: Yeah. Luis no, we Severino. Know about Quintana. Yeah. Severino. We're finding we're gonna find out about him. Now We can finally go back to sleep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I look, I understand. The, the point of, okay, we don't want to lock in a DH because it doesn't make us remarkably better than we are right now, and it it prevents uh, an avenue for a young kid to maybe, although I don't really know that you want young kids. I don't want them as be, a DH. Right, you want to see them play the field. Let's see if they're a complete player. You don't want to single them out as just a DH. Okay, fine, I'll, I'll stand for that. But how can you go in with this rotation?
1: Yep. Yeah. DJ Stewart. In that DH, you know, I can go on, Gordon, if you want. I, I know, I, no, I know on. you
0: could. I know you could. Yeah, but the, yeah, the DH, the, the it, it, it's all it's want. quickly. You know what it is? It's quickly. The Mets DH is quickly becoming what it used to be: the Knicks point guard. You're right. Or the the Jets pass rusher. Yeah, right. You're right. It is. It's, it's true. Like that It's like the white whale. You're, you're always chasing the white
1: whale. It's true. You, you don't it find is. them. And listen, I'm listening to him. I hear. I hear what Sterns is saying. I got it. I got it. But Gordon, I only want one DH. I, I, you can do yeah. whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you want to do with the kids. I, I'd love to see the kids. I'd love to see them. Uh, yeah, I want to see what they have. I'm look, I'm interested, of course. I want to see what the young these you know, I want to see. But Gordon, can I get a DH? A DH. You I would mean, think that's not that hard. It's not promise. a whole lot of money. No. You can sign a DH for one year.
0: Yeah. $10 million bucks probably, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and look, 10 million bucks, that will give you something that, that you've you've not had, right?
1: Yeah. A DH. <laughs> that's, just, that's what I want. It's all I want. All I'm looking for, Gordon's an extra bet. All I need is an extra bet to try to help out my guy Alonzo. That's all I want. Lindor, okay, Lindor's Lindor's Lindor. Okay. I, I expect, I know he's going to give me everything. He's going to play all these games. You know, he's going to play. He's going to be available every day. Yeah, I love him. He's he's a fabulous shortstop. Did mm-hmm. I expect a little bit more, Gordon? A little bit more dominance from him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kinda did, but he's been solid. He's he's been he hasn't been a disappointment. He's you been would solid. still make that deal. It's <sighs> a lot of money
0: though, Gordon. It is a lot. Well, it's a lot of years. It's a lot of years. Yeah,
1: that's that's my right. concern.
0: The, and those those deals it's at some point generally go wrong. Now the one good thing is he's a shortstop as he ages, you can probably move him to another Third position. Hmm. Third base, maybe maybe first base, I'm not sure. Um generally guys age a little bit better if they're in the middle of the field as opposed mm-hmm. to the corners. But yeah, it's a it's a lot of years.
1: It's a lot of years for, for a shortstop. And to, to to for you to think that you're gonna have that type of, you know, uh results in production. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Plus the other thing, Gordon you know uh, starting rotation is a question. The bridge to Diaz is a question. So, you know, right. we'll figure it out. We'll, it, we'll see it, what it's they do. It's like they
0: have these really nice pieces, but the, the lack of the the, 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 the lesser pieces kind of takes away the good pieces. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you have Edwin Diaz is great close. You don't have a bridge to the bullpen. And you, who who's, who's in the starting rotation? The one guy you thought you could count on in Senga. Mm-hmm.
1: Who knows when you see him? Yeah. Now you got that in the back of your mind. Now there's a question mark. Now you're like, okay, what else? So, you know, we'll just see what happens. So, Gordon, once again, I'm just, you know, this is a decision they have made. This is the team I've chosen the route for. Mm-hmm. So I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. No, I gotta yeah. I gotta trust that they know what they're doing. Okay? I got I gotta trust. I gotta trust. I mean, Well
0: well look, I will say this, and hopefully it works out better. There was a there was a time not that long ago where the Jets, was it 2016? They said, well, we're going to have like an evaluation year. Mm-hmm. We're not tanking, right? but we're going to evaluate what we have. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're still kind of digging themselves out from that. You take a year off, unless, they, unless we are just, they're, they're, the, the Mets have all this young talent and it's going to fire at a clip far higher than young talent usually fires at. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is a mistake. You know, I mean, they better be the Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) Well, it took the Orioles three years of that. I know.
1: I know. You know, so I'm just, you know. I think it's going to be a long summer, Gordon. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just hoping for the best. I'm hoping that I get some surprises, you know. I get some some kids who come out and surprise me. I get, get, you know, Starling Marte, speaking of the best shape of your life. Mm. You know, I get him back. Oh, my God. You know. I, I we should I'm we sure. should have a con who plays more games, Stanton or Marte? Wow. That's gonna be interesting. I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
0: That's tough. That's I, be, I gotta I gotta do a net. little research on that. I don't know who
1: I want in that one. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know if I wanna play <laughs> in that one. That's gonna be a tough one. Conversation <laughs> continues on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, Gordon Dam is back from a little, little week away, looking fresh and you know. Ready to go? As I used to say about Billy Martin, he was
0: tanned and well-rested, Larry. That's it. Yep. And you look tanned and well-rested as I, well. I I am. It was uh, it was a nice week away. I, I will say that Florida was a little chilly by Florida standards this year, uh-huh, but uh-huh. We had one day that was a rain out, which was a little We were thinking, "Oh boy, if this is if this is what we're looking at here, right. a house full of kids and But no, Not what weather, you want? Yeah, no, it's not what you want. I was going to get on the next plane back home. I'd, I'd sit in the house by myself. Uh, but we, we got things turned around. The sun was out for the rest of the time there. So we got mm-hmm. some, some beach. We got a little pool nice. action. So it was nice. It was good.
1: Good, good. Well, it's good to have you back.
0: Good to have it you is, back. It's good to be back. And yes. I can tell you this, Larry. I was just taking a look at the old uh, X machine, mm-hmm. Ian Begley, tweeting out, that crew chief James Williams says in pool interview with the AP's Brian Mahoney, Mm. that Dante DiVincenzo should have been called for a foul in that collision late in the Knicks' win over the Pistons. Well,
1: woulda, coulda, shoulda. Oh, well. Well, Way it goes. Way it goes. Well, we're not playing it again. Nope. And we're not picking it up there. Nope. So, sorry. Mistakes happen.
0: Mistakes happen.
1: Officials are only human. Right. Right. They're only human. What can and, we, you and, know, they make mistakes. And, and people
0: will say, well, you're being hypocritical because you, you went crazy. Nick fans went crazy in that Rockets game. It wasn't, in the Rockets game, it was not just the final call. Mm-mm. It was that the calls were slanted the entire night. And then the final one was the most preposterous of, of the bunch. Yes. yes. This one, uh, is it a missed call? Yes. But it's just one, it was not that the officiating was slanted towards the Knicks. Mm-mm. The, the whole night, it was no. it was a it was a physical game. There was a lot of um, physical play, and that happened to be one of those plays at the end that went the Knicks way.
1: Oh well. <clears throat> well, this is this is the league making up for the Houston game without Maybe. replaying the Houston game. Maybe I just think it was a situation where you know you looked at it depending on the angle of the official. You know, it was clear. You, you they dove for the ball. You know, they didn't have possession, so yeah, you know, that's the way it goes. But I will say this: If if you're uh, Tibbs, and he was very calm in the post game, mm-hmm. very calm guy, you know, he's like, yo, this, I knew going in it was gonna be like that. Coaches always know. Coaches always know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I knew what it was like going in, and we know, you know, Monty's done a great job with the team, and blah blah blah, yada yada, this that and the third. And but the bottom line here is Gordon, if you're the Knicks you have to do a better job of not putting yourself in this position yeah. against teams that you're supposed to beat. And, and so that's the takeaway. And far be it for me to be critical of Jalen Brunson, cause he's been phenomenal. It's been phenomenal, Gordon. It's been great. But I thought late he kind of got into, I'm going to take us home, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm used to him moving the ball a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Moving the ball, getting some other people involved. Now, if he he didn't have the confidence and didn't think that other people were going to be able to make shots, you know, I understand it, that, you know, I'm not second-guessing him. It was just unusual for me to see him do this. It's almost like he's taking that challenge to say, okay, uh, you know, ride me, we're going to take you home. But, you know, he played so many minutes, and he just looked – you know, you start to get fatigued, Gordon. Yeah, especially on those threes – yeah, I your thought, legs are the mm-hmm. first to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, no legs, the shot's going to be flat. And, um, you know, so uh, I'm just very curious to see what Knicks team I'm going to see tomorrow night, having put forth the effort they had to go to tonight against a uh, Pelicans team that, uh, you know, has been playing pretty good. Well, I, I mean, any team that the Knicks face from this point out is going to be
0: a tougher challenge. than the, P- I, the Pistons were really good tonight, but mm-hmm. they're 8-49 and 49 on the year. And it we was, it was mentioned earlier, they're playing better than... When they lost all those games in a row earlier in the season, uh, but still they are eight and forty nine, eight and forty nine, Larry. I know, I
1: know. eight it's and
0: four—that's a lot. And and for the Pistons fans who might be ticked off that the the officials screwed them tonight, you should want to lose. You want to lose every. There's yeah. nothing to be gay. You want your team to come out and play hard and see that you have building blocks. And it does seem like, especially they Cunningham, they have they have he some building really blocks there. Yeah. And, and and maybe they'll get it turned around in another year. You, you know what you're going to get out of this year? Mm-hmm.
1: Likely another building block, or at least you hope. Yeah. I mean, you know, they could build around Cunningham and Grimes. They could do some things with Cunningham. Mm-hmm. You know, Grimes now, Grimes with this – because with Cunningham being able to put the ball on the deck and go to the basket the way he does, I mean, Grimes, all he does do is just sit at the three-point line. And he'll be fine. You know, and he's going to play – He's going to play his position, and I don't think Monty Williams is going to ask him to defend six, seven, six, eight guys like he had to do with Tibbs. Mm-hmm. So that's going to make him be a little better, be a little easier defensively for them. And he's got the defensive skills; he's got good footwork. So you know, it, it's it, these are we're so used to, I think, seeing deals that are so one-sidedly bad, mm-hmm. usually for the team that we root for, whoever it is, mm-hmm. that it's unusual when you see this is the way trades are supposed to be. It's supposed to be advantage for both teams. It's supposed to – both teams are supposed to get better by the trade. That happens. It's not supposed to be where, boy, we got we fleece them. I mean, you know, it's nice if it it's happens. It's nice when it happens, sure. But in, in the perfect world, this is the way it's supposed to be. You get better and the other team gets better. That's why you make a trade. That's the way it's supposed to work.
0: It has not worked that, uh, in in Nick history. Now, prior no. to, to Leon Rose coming here, it mm-hmm. did not work out that way very often. But No. Things have when, turned
1: he when he first got here, it didn't work out that way. He... Well, after that first year, yeah. He's been much better. He's yeah. been much better. Things have turned around. It's been nice. It's really been nice. Uh, Gordon, their roommates in Madison Square Garden have been playing well also. They had their... Uh, Ten game winning streak snapped yesterday. Talking about the New York Rangers, and uh, DPH and Rothenberg this morning were talking about the Rangers, and um, you know we're starting to hear this conversation, especially with the streak, right? Well, maybe this is a Stanley Cup team. Maybe this team can go deep into the postseason and maybe win a cup. So let's listen to what DNR had to say about the Rangers so far this season.
2: Correct. Maybe think I'm wrong that the Rangers have as good a chance as anybody to win this thing. Ah. <sighs> No, I still think they—they I think they have to do something.
0: But you don't think they're going to?
2: I think they're going to, but I haven't seen right. them do anything yet. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if you told me right now it was the Rangers versus the you know Florida Panthers in a seven-game series. I'm probably leaning Panthers. The Mika thing is a problem, dude. That has to be figured out. Like, a Mika not being able to produce anything five-on-five five is a problem for you guys. And then on top of that, Panarin in the postseason, right, not being the same guy,
1: right. Uh, he's been phenomenal in the regular season here. Been listening to Don Legreco Gordon, and you know, the trade deadline in the NHL is coming up. And Don was talking about how the Rangers need to get another right 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 wing, maybe a mm-hmm. defenseman to do some depth and stuff. But I will say this if when when teams go on runs like this, Gordon, it allows you to dream. Right? As Nick fans, that, that month of January allowed us to dream of what it could possibly be. And the Rangers have been playing better and Shisterkin's been playing better. And so if they make a couple of tweaks at the deadline and you get Shesterkin rolling into the postseason the way he has started to play of late, uh, you know, listen, you ride a hot goaltender when you get into the postseason, anything can happen. It's wild to me that the the trade deadline is still another week
0: away, right? As I know, it's March like, 8th? It's, like, it's, it's March like 8th, that. right? So it it's is. still a little bit over a week away. And it yeah. feels like the, 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 the NBA trade deadline was a year ago. I know. It feels like it's... T- it's just wild to me that the trade deadline in the NHL is so close to the end of the season. I mean, the mm-hmm. Rangers have played what, sixty games?
1: Yeah. Isn't that crazy. And still got a chance. Trade deadline. Still got well, a chance. I mean,
0: there's no sport really where the difference between regular season and postseason is so stark, right? Mm. Like you build a team in the NBA and yes, there's a different things are different in the postseason. Yes. But yes. you don't change your team dramatically for the postseason. You just kind of get more locked in with a single opponent. It, it really feels like with hockey, you can be one team, and, and clearly the Rangers have been successful that way. But everybody I talk to about the Rangers and the postseason and hopes and expectations is, no, they got to make some, some pretty sizable changes, at least a couple of pieces here, mm-hmm. before you can have hope of going up against uh, the big team, but you know, Boston
1: or whoever mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. When we return, Gordon, Monty Williams will speak. Hope we got the uh, dump button ready. <laughs> That's next on 98.7 ESPN.